Faith is not static. It is a constantly moving current pulling you towards the arms of Jesus, washing us clean of the stains of our mess, easing the weight of our past disappointments. We will rise out of the water made new, and those that see will know we've been with Jesus. We are called to bless those around us, to raise up the new generation of the church, to go outside the limits of the church building, into the community, and share the promise of Jesus. Well, good morning. Welcome. Hey, would you, would you stand with us and sing? Uh, we just like to start our mornings by, by praising a God that we believe is, is worthy for all that we have to give him. So let's sing together. Silences the enemy. Let praise be a weapon that conquers all anxiety. Let it rise. Let praise arise. We sing your name in the dark and it changes everything. We sing with all we are and we claim your victory. Let it rise, let praise arise. We'll see you break down every wall. We'll watch the giants fall. For fear cannot survive when we praise you. The God of breakthroughs on our side. Forever lift him high. With all creation, God, God, we praise you.
This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you, we praise you. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you, we praise you. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you, we praise you. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you, we praise. We'll see you break down every wall. Watch the giants fall. For fear cannot survive when we praise you. The God of breakthroughs on our side. Forever lift him up. With all creation cry, God, we praise you. Give you what I 
of your breath the planets form If the stars were made to worship so will I I can see your heart in everything you've made Every burning star a signal fire of grace If creation sings your praises so
Till you create it The light of the world Abandoned in darkness to die And as you speak A hundred billion failures disappear Where you lost your life So I could find it
Just on the sunrise To where you sweep the sinners past And oh how fast would you come running If just a shadow we through the night Trace my steps through all my failure And walk me out the other side Valley Hill called Calvary. But for the one I call Good Shepherd, who like a lamb was slain for me. So I will praise you on the mountain. So I will praise you in the mountains in my way. You're the summit where my feet are So I will praise you in the valleys all the same You know there's God within the shadows Know there's faithful in the night leads me astray Cause you're the heaven where my heart is In the islands in the
God meets us in the high places and in the low places. He meets us in the mountains and in the valleys. Amen. That wherever you are this morning, however you're walking in, whatever you're experiencing, whether it's here at one of our campuses on the other side of that screen, that God is able to meet us right where we're at. That it doesn't surprise him, it doesn't confuse him, that he is here among us and he wants to be with us here this morning. Is that true? And that's why we go to God in prayer. That's why we bring all of ourselves, not just our trophy case, but that's why we bring every part of ourselves to God in prayer, because that's how he sees us. And so with that being said, let's go to God in prayer. God, we look to you today, and we affirm that you are where our help comes from, that we can't fix ourselves, that we can't get ourselves to the place that we want to be in every single area of life, but in, in some way, at some place, that we have to trust you to make up the difference that we have to be willing to accept this free gift called grace. And so I just pray that for every single person under the sound of my voice, God, that you would speak to them in this time, that you would affirm who they are in you, that they wouldn't feel like they have to do anything else to prove to you how much they care about what you think about them or prove to them that they wanna live the way that you are. God, I just pray that you would remove that pretense and we would just be able to receive what you wanna give to us today. God, we don't just pray for ourselves, but we pray for this hurting and broken world, this world that you have instituted, that you have placed the church in every corner of the globe, that, that we, your people, are to be sent out to spread your good news, to be your hands and feet. And, and so, God, we pray for every expression of the church, not just our own. God, we pray for First CRC in our community. God, would you continue to bless them? Would you use them? Would you give them your wisdom and your discernment to continue to be the hands and feet of Jesus in this community to, to share the good news in a way that draws people in. God, we pray for the wards who are our partners in Asia with global partners through the Wesleyan Church. God, we pray that you would use them, that you would give them your eyes to see leaders, that they would raise up leaders to, um, and send them out to share your good news. Would your anointing, would your blessing be upon them? God, finally, we pray for ourselves. Would you open up our hearts? Would you open up our minds for the word that you have for us today? We promise to give you all the praise, all the power, and all the glory. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everybody said, amen, amen and amen. Well, you can take a seat. Spring Lake, so glad that you're here. I want to give a special shout out to our Coopersville campus, our Muskegon campus, and all of you who are watching online. Come on, Spring Lake, show your church family some love. We love you. So glad you're with us. You picked a great day to be in church. We all need a little more Jesus in us this week as we go into Coast Guard. Amen. Drive slower this week, okay? We are actually closing out a series called Conversations with Jesus that we've been in the last four weeks. It's going to be a great conclusion to that. I also want to give a special shout out to any of you who are here for the first time today. We're so excited um, that you're here with us, that you cho chose to join us for a part of your weekend. We would love to connect with you. We'd love to hear a part of your story. And the way that we do that is through our connection card. And there's a QR code in the seat back in front of you. You can take out your phone with the camera app. You can scan that. It'll take you to a form that we'd love for you to fill out sometime during this service. Um, and then we actually have a gift for you out at our connection point that we would love to put in your hands before you walk out those doors today. You can also always go to allshores.org and there's a button on there that says connect with us. Our team would love to get in contact with you this week. Um, this is also, this week is step four of the journey and the journey happens the first four Sundays of every month. 
Um, and it really is our process. It's our way for you. It's your next step out of Sunday that if you've been connecting with us on Sundays and you want to go deeper, you want to get plugged in, you want to get connected, whether you're new or whether you've been here for years and years, the journey is the place that happens during this service at the 11 o'clock hour, the first four Sundays of every month at our Spring Lake campus in a room right behind me. We'd love for you to join us. It starts over next week with step one. And if you want to learn more, just go to allshores.org slash the journey. This is also the time of the service where we give back to God and we recognize ultimately everything we have is his. And so we give back a portion of that to him. And I just want to say to our church family, thank you so much for your generosity, for your faithfulness in this area that both near and far, we are making a difference as a body um, that none of us can make alone. And so thank you so much for that. The ways to give um, are on the screen or there's boxes in the lobby um, hanging up on the wall. This week is Coast Guard. It's also the week of our Global Leadership Summit. It's the largest leadership event really in the world and it's happening right here at our Spring Lake campus. We're streaming it um, this week, Thursday and Friday. We're so excited that we get a host again this year. So turn your eyes to the screen to learn a little bit more about what's coming up. How many of you are ready to grow in your leadership? Most of the times, the growth option is the scariest one. Imagine the legacy you would want and then work backwards. A rebel leader looks at every situation with curiosity. Don't become such an expert that you can't see things anymore. The question I'm asking is, will you lead when you are invited to? You might not be exactly where you want to be in life. But we need to look our fear straight in the eye. And find your groove. Our legacy is defined by how we treat others. The ability to take social risks is as important as a breakthrough idea. Only you can choose how you want to impact your society. What's the best that can happen? The very reason you are where you are is because you're the right person for this moment. Hey church, we are coming up on one of the most exciting times of the year, our outdoor baptism, and it's happening Sunday, August 14th at Ross Park in Norton Shores at 5 p.m. We will feed you, we'll worship together, you'll hear stories of people who are getting baptized. If you've recently made a spiritual decision, either to commit your life to Christ for the first time or for the first time in a long time, if you haven't yet made a public declaration of baptism, that is your next step. And our team would love to come alongside you. We'd love to have more conversations, tell you more what it's about. We just need you to register at allshores.org baptism today.
morning, everyone. Welcome to church this morning. We are one church in three locations here at Spring Lake, um, Muskegon campus, which is what Dave and I call home, and Coopersville. And we also just want to give a welcome to anyone who is listening in online. So today we are indeed wrapping up this series about four conversations that Jesus had with four different people in the book of Matthew. And I wanted to just start with giving a little bit of an overview of the book of Matthew and what was going on at that time when he was writing it. So the book of Matthew was the early church's favorite book. It was the most quoted, copied, read, preached book in the early church. And it's a great instruction manual on the per person of Jesus, but also on the nature of discipleship. This process of us growing in likeness of Christ, as well as walking with others as they discover Jesus and grow in him. So the early church was trying to figure out, especially the early Christians who had come out of the Jewish tradition, were trying to figure out how much Jewishness did they need to hold on to. Um, but it was also a place where people who came from other faiths or um, ethnicities were, those people were called Gentiles. So you either were a Jew or you weren't. So there were also Gentile converts that were joining this early church thing. So you just had a lot of mixing of like, well, how Jewish do I need to be? How, how, how does this all work? What does it mean to follow Jesus? And at the same time, a lot of the Jewish communities were saying, yeah, you're not Jewish enough anymore, so you're, you're out. You are, you are expelled from our faith community. And the Roman culture, this secular culture where everybody was living was also like, huh, no, what, who are you? And so there was a lot of this mixing of cultures trying to figure out who are we and what does it mean to follow Christ at this time. How do we follow Je Jesus and live in this diverse culture? And Matthew was written to both of the Jewish Christians and to those Gentile converts. So it's kind of written to the insider outsiders and the outsider insiders. Can we <laughs> say it like that? It was a mix. And they were all trying to figure out how to relate to each other and how to honor Christ. So Matthew offers this manual for discipleship for a church living as a minority group in this broader hostile majority culture. So not only had the Jewish faith community expelled the Christians, this Roman secular culture did not have a place for them either. So Matthew in writing this gospel was focusing on that particular historical point in time writing to a church that isn't fitting into either of these cultures. They're trying to figure it out. He's also writing it to us as well. So I think there might be some ways that we can overlap and identify with the early church in that way. So we're also wrapping up this series, Conversations with Jesus. So we've been focusing on um, how uh, Jesus is relating to these groups of people. So we started with the tax collector, and then we looked at a conversation he had with a person who had leprosy, and then last week he spoke with children and honored them. So I've called them the despicable, the untouchable, and the dismissible. And today we're going to meet the rich, moral, religious man, the admirable, a little bit different 
kind of quality here. So I want us to, with all of that background now, to do what we usually do at the beginning of every message, pause, and ask God to say, God, help me hear what you have for me today. Help me to be open to the words that you have for us and the ways that you want us to grow and learn. So I'm going to just pause and give us a second to listen in to what the Spirit is saying. God, I pray that you would give us ears to hear your word for us today, Lord. Amen. All right, well, today we're in, no surprise, the book of Matthew, uh, chapter 19, verses 16 to 24. And I'm going to read through the whole thing, and you can either follow along in your Bible or on your device, or you can just listen, as many of the churches would have just been hearing the word. Someone would be reading this to everyone. They didn't have their own book. So you can just listen if you like, and then we'll walk through the verses um, step by step. But here's... Uh, here's the word for today. Someone came to Jesus with this question. Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Why ask me what is good? There is only one who is good. But to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. Which ones? The man asked. And Jesus replied, you must not murder, you must not commit adultery, you must not steal, you must not testify falsely, honor your father and mother, love your neighbor as yourself. I've obeyed all these commandments, the young man replied. What else must I do? And Jesus told him, if you want to be perfect, go and sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. But when the young man heard this, he went away sad, for he had many possessions. And then Jesus said to his disciples, I tell you the truth, it's very hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. All right, let's walk through some of these highlights. So this, uh, you'll notice that the man calls him teacher, uh, the term for that a pupil or a disciple would call their leader, their rabbi. But also it's a title of honor that the surrounding crowds would have called someone who is recognized as a wise person and not just wisdom to impart, but someone who should be followed and served. And the man asks Jesus about doing good. What good deed should I do? And, and that culture, and maybe today, we have that idea still that we need to do good to outweigh any bad, and that's the way to salvation. And in this conversation, the person's kind of expressing to God, I'm good. Look at what I've done. I'm, 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 pretty, I'm generally a good person. And I have a feeling that we have wanted to identify with the three people that Jesus has had a conversation with previously, you know, we, we identify with that, like, yeah, sometimes I feel dismissed, and 
yeah, sometimes I feel like I've been the person who's been on the outside. And wow, isn't that great Jesus meets me? And I want us to be careful that we don't too quickly other this rich, young, moral, religious person. Because I think there are many ways that we also can be like him, where we like to be admired. And Jesus is offering a better path forward. So Jesus asks him, you know, tell me, why ask me what is good? There is only one who is good. And Jesus is reminding us that he is the source of our goodness. You know, it's not the things that we do, but it is the things that we do. It's both our heart and our action. And he knows that this person is looking at the action. But he also is saying, yes, there are things we need to do. So it is really a conundrum here that I think he is pointing out to all of us. It's almost like Jesus is saying, okay, I'll play your game. And so he gives him the list of commands. Here are the commands. And you'll notice that the first five listed here are straight from the Ten Commandments. And these are all others-focused commands. And the last phrase, love your neighbor as yourself, is kind of a summary of those. You'll remember that um, a man came to Jesus and asks, you know, what are the, what's the greatest commandment? And Jesus asks for two answers instead of just one. And he says, love God and love others. Love your neighbor as yourself. So he, he's like, yeah, I'm good. I did that. And Jesus responds, okay, well, if you want to be perfect, and maybe a better way for us to understand that would be for him, for us to remember that perfect kind of means spiritual maturity. If you want to be whole, if you want to be complete, if you want to be perfect in your relationship with God, spiritually mature, then, whoa, big, big ask. He makes this great claim that indeed he has kept all the commands, but Jesus goes this extra mile. Sell your possessions and give them to the poor. A most others-focused act, and the man walks away sad. Jesus is really questioning, do you love others? Do you really love others as yourself? Well, this conversation is also recorded in Luke and John's Gospels. And Luke adds the comment here at the beginning, Jesus told him, with great love. You know, Jesus isn't here with a gotcha. Jesus isn't here with some kind of tone of like, I know your heart. Mm -mm -mm -mm. He isn't putting on the white glove and dusting above the kitchen cabinets. He is offering a way forward, a way for this man to really connect with him and with others, to break down all the barriers that are standing between him and his fellow man. So he went away sad, and we have these words. Now we need to talk about the elephant in the room, or should I say camel? <laughs> okay, sorry. I thought that was funny. <laughs> okay, wealth in particular really must be examined in our lives. 
especially here in West Michigan. We are so affluent. Now, I know there are many levels of wealth in this room and at our other campuses and online. I have to say, I was not excited about this assignment. Thank you, Pete. I mean, it is tough to make generalities here, and I really want us to, like, not opt out of hearing what God might have for us today. Money can tear families apart. It can bring out feelings of jealousy and bitterness and desire, lust, comparison. Culturally, we live so divided, rich and poor, and we all have strong opinions about how governments and family and spouses and partners and friends should all spend the money. But I just, let me just read some scripture. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. Don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. And today's scripture it's very hard for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll say it again. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Okay. God, are we listening? Speak to us, God. This man comes and is basically saying, I'm trusting in myself and my wealth. And Jesus says, trust in me and be free. Wealth and status make perfect surrender to God's will more difficult. Because we think we have more to lose. So what's the difference between commitment and surrender? When you make a commitment, you're still in control, no matter how noble the thing is that you're committing to do. I mean, you can commit to read the Bible, you can commit to pray, you can commit to give money, you can commit to make car payments or lose weight, but you are still in control whether you follow through on that commitment or not. But surrender is different. When a castle is surrounded and you wave the white flag, when the conquerors come in, you don't list your commitments. You simply do as you're told. So what is the Jesus way with all of us? All of this talk of wealth and money and uncomfortable things like that. Well, I really would love to be able to say, here's what you should do. And I think there are some good principles, but I'm resisting giving a list of principles because I'm afraid that if I say, do this, some of you will be like, not for me, and tune out, 
And some of you, like the rich, moral, religious leader, might be like, check, I'm good. And I don't think that's how Jesus wants us to live. So instead, I'm going to just give a few words of caution. Moralism says, if I do the right things, Jesus will be happy with me. But Jesus is saying to the rich young man and us, being with me is better than any of these things. You chose a moralistic path. Whatever you're holding on to isn't as good as me. Surrender is a path to more joy. And what is so sad, yes, he went away sad, but what is so sad is that the young man thought that what he had was better. And so he walked away. It's almost like the young man had a clipboard out and was trying to like check off, what are the things I should do? And so he was like, check, check, check. It reminds me of when the disciples came to Jesus and they asked, how many times do we need to forgive someone? And they came up with a big number, seven. And Jesus was like, 70 times seven. It's not keeping a list track thing. It's about an abundance of blessing and living into obedience and faith and surrender to Jesus. You know, at tax time, are we calculating our charitable giving by a specific percentage, like 10%? Do I calculate on the net or the gross income? Do we view our giving like a great tip to a server, like, thanks, God, great service. You're getting 20% this year. I think we just need to pause and examine how do we view our money and our wealth and with that, the privilege that comes with it. I just don't want us to let ourselves off the hook too quickly. Do we give so we'll be blessed? Are we generous? Do we love to give? Do we give and then regret it? How do we see the poor? Sad, pathetic? You know, people viewed this rich, young, moral, religious man as an admirable person. And I think today we defer to people with resources, and resources is power. But God cares so much more about the heart. And are we willing to invite Jesus into a deeper conversation, to our hurt, to our pain? Can we surrender to Jesus, offering anything, money, status, careers, dreams, relationships, anything that might be a barrier between us and God and us and other people? Maybe the Beatles had this one right. Money can't buy us love. So we have our conversations with all of the people here. Jesus saw the potential in Matthew, the tax collector, despised by the people, and Jesus asked him to follow him. When the lepers experienced separation, not just physically, but spiritually from their community, Jesus went out to them and touched them. 
When the disciples rebuked the children, Jesus laid hands on them with kindness and blessing. And you'll notice that today's conversation is with that person who was admired. And Jesus, in love, offers a better path forward. It's right for us to see, as, see ourselves as the one whom Jesus is coming to meet. This despicable, the untouchable, the dismissible, or even to examine the ways that we might like to feel admired. And Jesus meets us in those broken places, those, those places where we have great need. But this series isn't just about this receiving from Jesus. It's also following Jesus as our example, our teacher, our rabbi, to see how we go about this in our daily lives. How are we to enter our neighborhoods and schools and workplaces and contentious family gatherings and hard conversations and other cultures or enter those spaces with people who are so different than us. Dave and I attend the Muskegon campus. Whoop, whoop to my Muskegon people. And we um, have really enjoyed being back here in the States. We returned from serving with global partners in Europe for eight years in Europe, working with the Wesleyan Church there. We returned two years ago today. We still get people that we haven't seen at the, you know, especially like at our Spring Lake campus. And they'll be like, oh, how long are you back? Well, we live here now, but, but we, we are a part of the Muskegon campus, so we don't get to see all of you super often. But when we lived in Vienna, Dave and I invited some friends over for dinner to our apartment. Shahriar and Mina were refugees from a predominantly Muslim country who were new in their faith. They had recently been baptized, so we invited them over to celebrate with them. 17 former Muslims were baptized on that day, and it was just a great joy to be a part of that celebration. So when Mina and Shahriar were going to come over, I thought, oh, it might be fun to kind of share my faith story with them. They, they shared at the baptism what, what God had done in their lives, so I thought, oh, this might be cool for me to practice sharing my faith story in a very simple way, and I worked on it ahead of time to choose words carefully that would help connect to a different culture, but also to not use any like spiritual, technical language kinds of things. So here's what I shared. There was a time that I felt separated from God and others. My parents died when I was young and I felt alone. Then I met Jesus and he invited me to join his family. I now bring honor to God by the way I live my life. I can love others because of the way God has loved me. Well, Shafriar and Mina were thrilled to hear my story. They remarked that mine was the first faith story they'd heard, except for the ones that were shared on the day of their baptism. They could relate to my feeling separated and alone. They were living far from their families. They know what separation and isolation feel like. They knew what it was like to feel alone. I mean, little did I know that my childhood experience in small town Kansas could connect so beautifully with a family from the Middle East. We talked about how church is a place where we 
continue to grow in our faith, but it's also a place where we serve and make an impact. And You know, when you feel like your life is undone, could that be the very way that Jesus is calling you into conversations with others? I really think vulnerability and empathy build connection in a beautiful way. I'm inspired by our church's tagline, together, because life is messy. Now, empathy is a skill we can learn. Um, it's a way to connect your own pain or trauma or, or fear or whatever emotion to someone else's pain or trauma or fear. We don't have to have the exact same experience. But like Mina and I, we could empathize with each other over shared feelings of loneliness or separation or grief. Well, last week I picked up my latest knitting project and started listening to my audiobook. Those are my two go-to hobbies. I love knitting and I love reading. And I met Sophie through my book, An Irish Immigrant Woman in 1905. So she had answered a mail-order bride and took a ship to San Francisco and got married to this guy on the day she arrived. And he needed someone to help take care of his daughter while he was traveling. I mean, it's just, what? Crazy. So he, they moved into a house, and he provided new clothes and food, and then he went away on a work trip. And the neighbor came over to visit. And um, so Sophie you know, had a really hard time like answering all the questions because she just arrived and married this guy, right? And so she finally just said, okay, I'm just going to be honest with you. And she shared about her troubled past, I mean, the trauma she experienced. And she shared honestly about this really unconventional, strange, current family relationship. Well, the neighbor was shocked and wasn't able to stay for long. <laughs> And she did visit from time to time, but it was really out of this sense of duty. And Sophie just determined in her heart, I am never going to share with anybody again. People can't handle me. People can't handle my mess. You know, this isn't the kind of engagement or posture that we're hoping <laughs> that we are compelled to do. That we, out of duty or pity, go meet our neighbor or go enter a new relationship with someone with a simple answer and a shiny, happy story. But with empathy and with vulnerability, we can connect with people and, and walk with them. And as we have conversations with Jesus and receive from him the truth of who we are and are transformed by the power of his Holy Spirit, then we are able to go and connect and be prompted to acts of kindness and hospitality and generosity to the people in our lives. Could it be that when your life falls apart, you have the ability to walk with people in their mess? Well, the book of Matthew ends with the Great Commission, these verses in Matthew 28, verses 19 to 20. Therefore, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. 
I just think this really ties it back to this idea that this series isn't just about us identifying with the people that Jesus was showing compassion and kindness to, but it's also a compulsion forward to, to go out and be in relationship with people, even those vastly different than who we are. So yes, please have conversations with Jesus. Please know that that is what shapes us and molds us and gives us the right perspective to, perspective to examine any barriers that might exist between us and God and us and other people in our lives. And that that is then how we are able to be prompted toward love and good deeds. Well, this sweet woman uh, passed away this summer at the mature age of 102. Uh, she is an artist just bursting with creativity. In fact, she, one of the forms of art she does is pottery. And she made these um, communion vessels. These were a gift to me when I was ordained um, about 10 years ago. So I took this uh, picture of her in Florida, and she also made this bust of her late husband. And I was admiring it, like, wow, what a piece of art. That's remarkable. How do you even do that kind of thing? And she said, oh, I'm so embarrassed by it. Embarrassed? It's, it's remarkable. It's beautiful. And she said, I just think everyone can see how much I loved my husband. Oh, yes. Could it be that all that we make or do reveals the love of Jesus in our lives? We want others to say of us, they have been with Jesus embarrassingly so in love with Jesus that everyone can just see it. We've had deep conversations with Jesus. We are changed by him. His love is evident in our lives. And out of that relationship, we have conversations with others. And they know that we have been with Jesus by the way we listen, by the way we love, and by the way, we show abundant generosity. Let's pray. God, would you meet us right where we are? And don't leave us there. God, prompt us to the ways that you would receive glory in our lives. Transform us. We surrender to what you have for us in our lives. Holy Spirit, grow our hearts for people who are far from you. Push us towards people who are wandering from God. And please show us how to love the people around us. Amen. Would you stand as we continue to worship together? Cry.
Every week, we celebrate what the church calls communion. And so you probably got on the way in this little cup with um, a wafer and juice. If you didn't, they're still out in the lobby if you want to grab one. But we remember this every week that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he called his disciples. He, he had dinner with them, and he took the bread, and, and he broke it. He said, this is my body broken for you. Take this in remembrance of me. And so we do that together today. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup. And he said, this is my blood. It's new wine of a new covenant shed for the forgiveness of your sins. Drink of this, all of you, in remembrance of me. And so we do that together as well. Let's continue to sing together. So I yield to you and to your carefulness. Because when I trust you, I don't need to.
Amen. Well, what a great conclusion to this series, Conversations with Jesus. We actually start a brand new series next week that we don't want you to miss, so turn your eyes to the screen to get a sense of what that series is all about. Finding our place in God's family, we all have two families, the one we were born into and the one that God has adopted us into. And we believe that church is not a place where you just slip in and slip out. Church is a family where we all find our place. And so if you're feeling disconnected or maybe you're on the way in here where you're kind of checking us out, this next series is going to be Can't Miss. We'd love to have you for all four weeks. Starting next Sunday, the journey step one starts next Sunday. We're going to kick off August with a bang. Why don't we open up our hands? I'd love to send you with a blessing out into your week. May the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, may he go with you. May his presence go with you. May he continue to remind you that you are worthy of his love as we walk with him, as we follow him. And it's in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. We love you, church. We'll see you next week.